Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I am so excited you're here, and I am so excited to celebrate my group coaching clients. Y'all know I love to celebrate. Uh, Last week, we kicked off the first ever Overnight Trainer group coaching program, and we have the most incredible group of people in the group coaching container. I am so proud of all of them. We have already had such great breakthroughs and we've only had one group coaching session. Um, And I want to give a special shout out to Callie who has already in just one week found her niche and is now working on showing that niche to the world. So I'm so proud of the entire group and I've been getting a lot of messages in my LinkedIn inbox about it, uh, about people having missed this first group. Don't worry, I am opening up another cohort. Uh, It will start in August, so I'll probably do some pre-registrations later this month. Um, So I already have a wait list. So if you wanna get on that wait list, you wanna know when it first opens, you wanna get VIP access, special codes, uh, special offerings that I have for my VIP list, email me now at hello at theovernighttrainer.com and I'll put you on that list. So you'll you'll be the first to know when, when we open back up. I keep this container very, very, very small and very intimate. So we only allow a handful of people in because I wanna make sure I'm giving as much as I can to the group. So we keep it short, sweet, small. So make sure you are on that list. Email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. And I'm also super, super excited because I just launched last week, a very big week last week, um, but I launched my uh, one-on-one L&D executive coaching container. And I'm only opening up two spots for that. So that is very intimate. It is six months with me. We'll work to develop all the skills you need to reach your highest potential as an L&D leader. That is strategy, managing a team, getting a seat at the table, uh, you are, get access into the talent development think tank, uh, workshops. I mean, it comes with a whole bunch of things. Um, so you can email me or message me on LinkedIn to schedule a free consultation call for that. And speaking of amazing learning and development leaders, I am beyond excited to have on the show today the incredible Jess Almley. Uh, Jess is a strategic leader focused on designing and implementing learning experiences, utilizing adult learning techniques, and developing leaders as the vice president of learning experience at WEX, a leading financial technology service provider. Not only all of that, but Jess develops and facilitates training and development for local professionals and teams, and she serves as a keynote and workshop speaker. This episode is incredible. We all have so much to learn from Jess. Jess, welcome to the Overnight Trainer podcast. I am beyond excited that you're here to join us today. Oh, well, thanks, Sarah. It's very, very excited to be here as well and chat with you. I'm a regular listener, so I'm excited to be on the other side of the mic for a little bit. Yeah, no, I I love that. That makes me so happy. And I, I just... I'm so, you know, we got to connect a while ago now and we've learned more about each other. And I, I, I just felt so strongly you had to be on the show because everyone needs to know Jess. Like, I think I told you the first time we like messaged over LinkedIn that a colleague of mine were, were, had both uh, heard you speak. And I was like, every, everyone needs a Jess in their life. <laughs> so all the listeners now are going to get to have a Jess in their life. So speaking of life and your life, you have a really awesome history and background and story of how you got into learning and development in the first place. So I'd love for people to hear about you. Like who is Jess? What's been your journey? Tell us all about it. 
Sure. Would you believe that the very first training job I ever had, I don't even think I told you this part when we first chatted, Sarah, the first training job I had was at McDonald's. No, you did not tell me that. (laughs) I forgot about it until I was thinking back on my career and, and really where it all started. And I was a trainer at McDonald's in college. So I started in, you know, doing the whole taking orders thing, learned all the other parts. I was a drive through queen. And then I got to be a trainer at McDonald's and it was fun. I I love that in college was an orientation leader and a tour guide. So those two things I think are really, when I think back, they are related to learning and development to training because you're helping somebody learn something new in order to make decisions or figure out how they're going to be or where they need to go or whatever it may be. So those things in college, even way back then, I was already probably thinking in subconsciously about a career in learning and development, but I didn't for sure call it that then. Right. Of course. (laughs) Because of course, at that time I wanted to be an event planner and that's where I started was I, I also on campus did the bringing the concerts and the speakers. And I loved all that event planning pieces of it. And I, uh, I w- had an internship doing that. And so then after I graduated, the first job I took happened to be at a company where they planned events for large corporations. And so I worked in that for a while. And then what I realized was the entertainment part of events is fun. But what was really more fun for me was when there was a deeper impact. So when there was something that it wasn't just an event for fun, there was also an aha moment or a learning or something that made someone's life better as a result of attending. And so in the same company where I had been doing the event planning, I moved into a training coordinator role within their HR department. And so within a few years out of college, I started coordinating trainings, working with an LMS system very long time ago was, it was a pretty archaic system and also (laughs) doing all of the new employee orientations. So that part I loved. And at that time, the company that I was working for sent me to a conference that ruined me for life in a good way. So the conference I went to, this was way back in the late nineties was um, the creative training techniques conference by the Bob Pike group. And Bob Pike is still around. If listeners are are here and they, they want some fun, interactive ways to think about training, Bob Pike's a good one to check out. We still use him and we still use his group and his, his methods. But I went to this tra- creative training techniques conference and the concept was all around, hey, you know, you don't have to train people just through lecture or through even side-by-side training, you can make it fun and engaging. And guess what? When you do, they actually learn more. And so yeah, (laughs) I know. So from then on, I kind of made it my mission to say, hey, why do we do things? Why do we think learning happens in this traditional lecture-based way when we know it may not? And in fact, it's not really even that fun. So let's make it fun. So after that, I worked in a variety of HR roles, mainly in small companies as in more of a generalist, wearing generalist hats. So I did everything from hiring to recruiting to policy manuals to orientations and new hire training. So kind of did all the things for a few years. And then we moved from the Minneapolis-St. Paul area for family reasons to the Fargo, North Dakota area, which is where I now reside. And at that time, I took a role at a small liberal arts college in student affairs. And what I started doing there was working with students and student leaders and then ended up developing a comprehensive leadership development program for all students that at the end was three different levels of development. And it was entirely built around interactive workshops with games and active learning service experiences other leadership experiences on campus, and there was a mentoring component as well with alumni and faculty and staff. So that really shaped a lot of the work that I did just around leadership development and around learning about 
how people learn and how to engage them. And of course, college students are very excited to try anything that is interactive and fun and not a lecture like the rest of their lives. And so that was a great experience. And then I ended up leaving that role simply because after growing it for many years, and I was with the college for about nine years, and after growing it, um, budgets in higher ed were becoming more and more into question. And at one point I heard the message, hey, you've done a great job building this leadership development program, but we're not really sure what's gonna happen. So could you just maintain it? And if any of your listeners, well, they, there's probably some out there who will, um, who will identify with this, but when you're a developer of things and you like to grow things and grow programs and somebody says, just maintain it, it feels like the air is being sucked out of your body. So at totally, that moment, I totally. thought, yeah, I thought if maintenance is what's needed, then somebody else would love this job way more than me. So this is that was my clue to say, this is a great program, but at this point, I'm not right for it anymore. And so I started looking around and eventually landed the job at the company where I currently work. And I started as a corporate trainer. And I know you and I talked about that. Um, I, I felt a little bit when I took a role as a corporate trainer, I had gone from an assistant director, director type role to that, that maybe it was a little bit of a step back or even a lateral move. But two things came to mind. One was every company I'd ever worked at, I had not stayed in the same role. So I'd been promoted from within and I figured that could happen again. And secondly, um, I was also shopping just as much for the role as I was for culture and a boss. And because those two things make such a big difference. And the culture of this company seemed very um, high energy and positive. And the woman who ended up being my boss, who is still my boss today, when she interviewed me, I remember leaving that interview thinking I could either sit down for coffee with her and have a great chat or we could have a really great strategic discussion about where to take learning. And I knew that she would be somebody who would trust me to take the programs and run with them and give me ownership. And so that is why I took that particular role and then moved into a senior manager role when I was tapped on the shoulder to combine some of our learning and development areas and centralize them. And then ended up as the scope of what I did increased moving into the VP role where I am right now. So. A long what, story. A, what a tale, you know, but it's, I love it so much. And, you know, something that really stood out to me in the beginning of what you just said was you've actually had been in training so much longer than you even realized, right? Like yeah. think back to like, oh, at McDonald's or as an orientation leader. And, you know, and we often forget, and I just did a post on LinkedIn about this. I had tagged you in it actually, right? About like these transferable skills and these things that we've done in our lives. And there's so few if any, on all honesty, skills that are, are just L&D skills that are, you know, you know there, there's so many transferable skills. It's, it's an industry really that is made up of everyone's transferable skills. And so to think back to, oh, I was an orientation leader. And so I had to facilitate. I had to walk people around. I had to point things out. I had to answer questions. I had to ask questions. Like, you know, to really think back about how, you know, we often forget about these different experiences that we have in our lives that shape us and get us ready for, for L and D's. I thought that was such a interesting point that you didn't even think about it. You know, like, Oh, wow. Like I had already, I had, I had already been planting the seeds essentially for this type of career way before I even thought that this is even close to what I wanted to do. Yeah. It's amazing. And not all of those opportunities were paid opportunities. So yeah, I was paid as a trainer at McDonald's, but I even think too, and as I was reflecting back on my career, and I often give people this advice too in career is a lot of my experiences came from volunteer work that I've done. So for example, I would say that part of what's made me a really good facilitator of learning is doing things like leading book discussions or leading a small group at, at, at my church for many, many years. And those were all things that when I first started to do them, I didn't really know how. And I thought, but you know what? It's a volunteer space. So nobody is really holding a paycheck over your head. Right. There's no performance performance no. review. Uh -uh. <laughs> and I also figured that, hey, I didn't have to know everything, but if I could ask really good questions, then the learning would come from the group. 
And so I worked hard at making sure that the learning came from everyone, not just from me. And I would say that has that's followed me into all of the leadership roles that I've held. But again, not a paid position at all. Something I did on the side for fun to make friends in a new city. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you never know like where you're going to pick up these skills. And so Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and, and even people who are, you know, trying to break into the L and D world, I think it's so hard to, to, to think, oh, what are all these skills that I've, I've gained over the years and how do I, you know, transfer them into L and D career. And Mm -hmm. that's something I work with my clients a lot on. I'm like, no, you, you've been, I was talking to someone on LinkedIn today. I'm like, no, you've actually been doing L and D. Like, you don't even know, you know, you, you, like people put L and D up on this pedestal of like, how do I get in it? I'm like, girl, you're already in it. Like you're already, you're already doing it. So I, I just love that. And I love, love your story. And you know, what I think is so great about kind of your story, it's like you were in the corporate world, you went to higher education and kind of came back to the corporate world as more like to true corporate learning. And so a lot of people who listen to the show are in the education space. So whether they're K through 12, um, I have a lot of higher ed listeners, and so, and they want to get into the corporate L and D world. So, tell us about transitioning, kind of maybe, you know, from from corporate to higher ed, you know, back to corporate. Like, what did you find most transferable as far as skills? You know, was there anything that was easier than expected? I'd love to hear a little bit more about about that transition for sure. from you. Well, I think as I think back about that, the biggest difference between higher ed and corporate has to do with pace and focus. So the pacing of higher ed, it moves at a generally a different pace than it does than corporate does. Higher ed moves a lot slower for the most part. And in higher ed, for example, it wasn't uncommon to send an email and maybe get a response a week or two later. But in corporate world, if we don't get a response within 24 hours, we are wondering what is up. And so the pacing is different. And I wouldn't say it's bad. I just think it's different. And because because the focus, so higher ed really focuses a lot on intellect. The focus is on thinking and processing and asking questions, educational theories, degrees, these, this sort of depth of thought, which is good. I think really great ideas come out of that. But when you have a lot of people who focus on depth of thought, it means they need time to think through items and discuss them. And so I think that is a big part of why higher ed tends to move a little bit slower and they can, they have, they work in, in years as opposed to in months or weeks or days or or days. Exactly. (laughs) Because corporate, just like you said, or days, corporate is really is way more execution focused. So it's about forward movement. It's about quickly getting the item done. It's about moving to the next thing. Again, it is not bad. It is just, different. And so culturally wise, I think that's where the differences came in. For me personally, I love the pace of corporate. I find it exhilarating. I really like that in corporate, we can have an idea, we can move on it right away, we can solve things quickly and move on. So for me, I loved that. But as I was funny, as I was transferring and even applying to the corporate job from coming from the higher ed job, I had a friend who worked at the same company who said, hey, you know, it's great that you're applying, but just know that we move really fast here. And I said, oh, yeah, 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 I know corporate moves fast. And then I started the job after I got it and I went, oh, he wasn't kidding. We move fast. I mean, I had (laughs) just spent nine years in higher ed and I had to kind of catch up to, okay, get a little, little giddy up. Is that what they call it? You got to move up. You got to move a little long, a little faster. So that I think was one of the big differences. You talked transferable skills though too. And I think few things that come out of education and higher ed for me were number one, the ability to work with and develop a really diverse pool of people. So in higher ed and in education, if you're working with students, they turn over every year and sometimes even every semester and you're working with hundreds of them, not to mention the staff and the faculty that are throughout the the higher ed institution that you come into contact with on a regular basis. So the ability to work with a lot of different personalities, I still feel like if you name the personality type, I've probably worked with them. And Mm -hmm. that's a really good thing. Um, 
I also learned in education how to, because of the focus on intellect and theory, how to do a more rigorous assessment of programming. And that's really very much related to the corporate world in that we want to be able to assess and measure the results of what we're doing. And that's for learning and it's also for business impact. So learning some skills related to that were really helpful. I think also the ability to do research and translate theory into practice. So there are a ton of really awesome theories out there and they're great. They're really well thought out. And then we need to be the ones to take them and put them into practice and use them and show that they work. And so the ability to do that, if you can do that working in education is helpful. Also, I think people who work in education, you are hardworking. You already know how to do more with less, which is what a lot of companies are looking for these days. You are used to wearing a lot of hats because there aren't big, huge teams of people to do things. And you are used to being the one that has to get the work done. So the buck often stops with you. So all of those types of skills are really, they are skills and not everybody has those. And I do think when I've hired people who have come from education, I see those kinds of things come into our team on a regular basis. I love that. I think the bringing up such a key point too about the pace, um, you know, and, and, I think about that. And I remember, you know, back in, in my early L&D hiring days, and I remember in, a, in an interview talking to someone about like, I always want to make sure it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I remember talking and, and ended up hiring this person and, and coaching them more of like in the corporate world, right? Sometimes it's at 80% and we go, right? And so I think like part of that fast pace is also you know, in academia, it, because you have more time, you can be more thoughtful and you can have more perfection tendencies. And I think in the corporate world, part of that pace and, and being able to, because I was thinking, I was like, well, how does someone move their pace, right? Like, like what, what, could, what, what would be like a tangible thing to tell people? And, and I think back and, it, and I, and that came up for me was like, well, it might not be moving your pace, but it might be saying, Hey, 80% is good enough. And, mm -hmm. and, and going with it and making it, making changes or, you know, iterating it as, as you go, go along. So I thought that was a really interesting thing that you talked about. Cause I've, I've seen that happen firsthand too, of like, Oh wow. Like to your point of like, yeah, yeah. Fast paced. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Fast paced. Like, <laughs> okay. This is what this, that's what this is. So I, I really, I think that's a really great, great point. And, and even thinking about your career too, and getting, ended up being, you know, into the hiring manager, like you, from there, you know, you went back into the corporate world, you were in that corporate trainer, but quickly got promoted. So you moved to manager, senior manager, now you're a VP. When you look at kind of those levels and levels that you were in, how did you prepare at each level for that next level? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question for me specifically, because I never started out my career thinking, I want to be a VP one day of learning. Now, I didn't think that I didn't want to be that, but what I did and what I've done to prepare at each level, I think is the same no matter what level I've been at. So I can, I'll give you a quick few. I've got maybe three, four things that I've done. One is the first one, which I've told any and all new, new hires that I've talked to is, it doesn't matter what your job is, just rock it. So rock your role no matter what role you have. And that's always been my focus is I might be a trainer at McDonald's or I might be a receptionist at a company, which was my first job out of college, or I might be a VP of learning, but it doesn't matter. I'm doing going to do my best to rock that role and be, my, be the very best I can at it. And if I do that with a positive, I'm going to figure it out attitude, I'll be noticed and I'll move into different roles. And that has always worked for me. Now, I think that positive figure it out attitude is important too. When you said the pace of, the pace of, of corporate is different and you, we go at 80%, we go when it's 80% done. It might not even be 80% done. You have to be willing to, to dive in, sink or swim sometimes and figure it out as you go along. I mean, we oftentimes are building the plane as we fly it which isn't always how we like to roll, but we are doing it. And if I have someone on the team who says, gosh, I don't know what the answer is, but I am willing to get in there with you and figure it out. Let's do it. 
I am way more likely to fight for that person to stay on my team if, if, if anything ever comes up where I have to make those types of decisions. Um, I want people who are going to say, you know what, I don't really know how to do that, but hey, I'm willing to figure it out. So I've always done that in my jobs too, is rock it as much I can and then have this positive, hey, I might not know that, but let's figure it out. I mean, yeah, totally. let's go. And so that's made a huge difference no matter what role it is. It looks a little different in each role, but the concept is still the same. The other thing is regular reflection and continuous learning. I think that is so, so important. So regular reflection, I actually keep a little journal and it's right on my desk because I write in it every day. That's called my till journal. Today I learned. Now till journals don't always (laughs) have, I used to think that journals had to be these beautifully written things with paragraphs and no, no, no. Sometimes my till journal is two sentences or like five words. I was it's just talking to random. someone about, about that the other day. Cause I was talking about doing, um, morning pages and like yeah. writing, like journaling it in the yeah. morning. And she was like, oh, you know, it's like three full pages. Like it takes like so much time on my morning. I was like, get a smaller notebook, like write one page, like the morning pages, police aren't, aren't coming, you know, but I think no. but to your point, we get into that mentality of like, there's societal somewhere is saying like, Oh, I need to like have this like in beautiful script handwriting. I need to, you know, have, no. <laughs> have all of this, but like, yeah, to your point, sometimes it's two sentences. Sometimes it's a picture. Like so, sometimes it's just yeah. like, Hey, you know, so I, I, I wanted to take a note of that. Cause I think, you know, it's, we get into our heads of like what each of these things should be. And it's like, like you can shoot yourself to death at that point. It's, you know, what, mm-hmm. what's feeling good for you. And if it's one sentence, if it's one word, awesome. You know, yeah. it's, it's great. If that is the only thing that comes to your brain today of, Hey, today I learned this, or actually I should call it a yield journal because I always do yesterday. I learned because my brain <laughs> doesn't work at night. It only works in the morning. So in the morning, I always start my day with what did I learn yesterday and thinking about it, but just even jotting a few notes. And what you'll find is the more regularly you do that, the better you get at it. Because I'll find myself thinking of something that is a reflective moment of something I learned in the middle of the day. And I'll quick grab my notebook and write it down so I can ponder it later. Because oftentimes it's around the things, you know, we all have those things in our brain that are challenges that are just swimming around in there. We're kind of trying to figure out all the time. And sometimes it's related to that. Oftentimes it's related to me for leadership to leadership and how I'm leading the team well or not leading them well, and what do I maybe need to do differently. So any type of that personal reflection and then continuous learning. We just live in this time now where we have so much access to learn whatever we want, whenever we want it. We have the podcast, the Overnight Trainer podcast. We can hop it, pop that in any time. I mean, we have blogs. We have Uh, online conferences, we have YouTube clips, we have so much that there's really no excuse to not be continuously learning. And I have always done that and do it every single day. And I don't, it's not always time in the workday. I think this is the other thing that um, not all of our career development needs to or will happen between eight and five. If you're really interested in something you can pop it in for a few minutes here or there. I listen to, Sarah, I listen to your podcast while I'm doing my makeup in the morning. <laughs> I always, I told my coach, she did not, she did not find this funny, but I think it's funny. I'm like, I listen to your podcast in the shower. Yes. Because they're like 15 minutes long. And I'm like, this is a perfect like shower podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, really, or when I'm gardening or when I'm mowing the lawn or when I'm cleaning the house, I'll ha- or when I'm driving across town, I'll put in a podcast to listen to, um, or I'll read something while I'm on my stationary bicycle. I have a Peloton. So while I'm, I'm on that, sometimes I'll be reading while I'm doing that. So I'm continuously just trying to pick up tidbits. And if a day goes by and I haven't picked up a tidbit somewhere, then that's a really strange day for me. So I think every day that learning something in an informal way, doesn't have to be a class. It can be a podcast. It can be a reflective moment. Then you've learned something because you've made sense of something. I love that. And I want to, I want to skip around for a second because one of the things that you touched on right now um, is something that stood out to me from the the first time what we were talking. So you you talked about, you know, hard work and positive attitude because we 
remember we were chatting and you had an open facilitator mm-hmm. position. Yep. And I said, Hey, like I have you know, people in my orbit, that'd be great for this. And you told me you were um, hiring for it internally, but when we were chatting about it, just in general, you said hard work and positive attitude will get you far. And like, that's what you were looking for mm-hmm. that if they've had, if they've done anything like in the mm-hmm. training world, coached anyone, mentored anyone, but you were really looking for that hard work and positive attitude, which you mentioned already here too. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to stay on that topic because I really, really couldn't agree more. And people ask me too, like, how did I get where I am and, and go so far so fast? And it was that same kind of mentality of like, if I don't know the answer. I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, and so thinking about that, cause I think so many people who are listening to this have an incredible work ethic and incredible positive attitude. Like the people that I have spoken to who are looking to transition into L and D, like these are hustlers. Like these people are like, I will do what it takes to get there. And I'm like, Oh, we need to like get them into these roles, you know? But I think they have a hard time translating that or showing that necessarily to hiring managers. So from a hiring manager's perspective, when you think about hard work and positive attitude, you know, what do you look for as proof of that, right? Like how would a listener be able to demonstrate that to you in an interview? Sure. Well, I'd like to answer that question a little differently for internal folks than external, if that's Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. So if you're internal to the organization, you and I have both talked about moving up in organizations that we've been part of. Internal to an organization, every day is an interview. Every day you show up to work. That's a sound clip. I like that. I mean, it is. Every day you show up to work. We talk about this with our team too, is every day you show up to work is an interview and you are interviewing based on the actions that you do that day. So if you show up to work with a positive attitude, you're working hard, you're willing to dive in and figure stuff out, you're interviewing already for your next role, even though you haven't signed up for that. And you might be interviewing for four months, six months, 12 months, two years, five years, but you're interviewing every single day. And I'm watching and I'm hearing about that through the organization. So you can't show up every day to a job that might not be your end goal and not work hard and not try hard just because it's not your end goal because you will never make it to the next step. If we can't trust you with the smaller things, we won't trust you with the larger things or the more responsibility. So every single day is an interview internally. And I do reach out to the managers of the current managers of the folks who I interview when I get usually to like the second interview stage and I let them know, hey, I'm going to reach out to your manager. And internally, they already know they've applied because of our internal system. But I ask them a couple questions about work ethic and about, so I'm getting feedback from managers as well. So don't think that we aren't asking those questions. Maybe not everyone is, but I for sure do. So internally, it's a little different. Um, Then when you get to the interview, and I think this applies for both internal and external candidates, I'm looking for you to talk about your experiences in your specific examples. When somebody starts their answer to an interview question, maybe you coach people this way already, Sarah, but when somebody starts with an interview question with, oh, there's just so many examples of that. I don't know which one to pick or, oh my gosh, that happens all the time. Right away, it downplays your credibility to me because I think, really, are there so many or are you just stalling and trying to skirt the question so you can tell me what you think I want to hear? So I want to know, I want to hear about a time that you solved a legitimate problem by asking questions or something that you weren't quite sure you knew how to do when you started. And then you figured it out. And how did you figure it out? Tell me the actual story with the actual information. You're nodding. I can see you. I know the listeners can't see you. So I think you're that I'm taking that for you to say, yes, I've coached oh, people yeah. that way. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I had a coaching client last night who, um, after a few weeks working together, has a big interview happening next week. And the one thing I, not one thing, one of the things I coach my clients on is being very clear about your stories and the stories that you have to tell. And what we do is we go through together as part of one-on-one coaching, we go through the job description line by line by line. And I say, tell me a time when you, and I read the job description, right? Tell me about a time when you had to ask deep questions. And when they're like, 
Oh, well, oh, man, there's so many. I'm like, tell me about a time. Mm-hmm. I want one time. And so what I have them do in preparation is for every line item on the job description, they write a story, they get, they put an example. And so that way they're already thinking, they already know in their heads when they get asked that question, it's already, whether they, they can have it right in front of them while they're interviewing. Right. But they are super prepared for that because absolutely. When you're like, Oh, oh or the worst is like, Oh, I really can't, I know it happens all the time, but I really can't think of one because it's different when, and I had a, my client yesterday was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll have a story for that. I'm like, no, I want to hear it now. You know, I want to hear that story now because when it's just you and me, it feels like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I'll have a story for that. But it's so different when you're interviewing, especially with a stranger and, and for a job. So I, I love, love, love that feedback. And I, and I love adding on top of it of not starting off with saying that happens all the time. And, mm-hmm. but, cause I think it's a natural stalling. I hundred percent agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're really clear with what your, what your stories are and what examples that you have, it, it's so much easier to say, absolutely. You know, this one time, because you're confident, right. When, when you're not confident about it, then you're like, oh yeah, like that happens. Or I experience that, or that happens all the time. And it, it's almost a sense of, of, of not having confidence. And that's probably what you're sensing, you know, from, from being on the other end. So yeah, major head nods for me about being really clear about the stories that you have to tell and very intentional uh, with them and having different stories and different examples for different things, because you never know what you're going to, going to be asked. And so the more prepared you are with a specific example, and the more clear and succinct you could be about that, the more likely you are to impress the hiring manager. Yeah, so I love, I love that. that. And that is perfect advice to go through the job description line by line and come up with those stories. So then you're ready. You'll have to stall less when you're in the moment because you'll have some of those at the ready. That's perfect advice. I love yeah. that. I have a friend who's a an actress and she says, don't walk on stage like it's, it's an apology. So don't start your Ooh. interview like you're apologizing for who you are. You're there. They want you there. We want to interview you. We selected you out of how many in, how many pieces of paper that came across our desk. So we're already rooting for you. All you have to do is seal the deal. So don't walk on stage thinking, oh, maybe I'm not good enough for this particular interview. Not that an interview is on stage, but you are the one in the spotlight to a certain extent. So don't walk on stage like it's an apology. Don't start your answers to any questions like you're apologizing at the very beginning. Love that, Sarah. Love that. Love this. So many good like sound clips that we're getting getting from this episode. <laughs> Not that I like ever put sound clips out, but maybe I'll start because this is, this is great. But if you think too, like along those same lines, right? So like attitude, hard work, obviously mm-hmm. very important, but what, when you, again, from a, an L&D hiring manager perspective, what else do you look for when hiring someone new to your team? So mm-hmm. what do you want to see demonstrated? And I ask this because so many of my clients that come to me, they get really, really, really caught up in the technology piece, right? Like, oh, I don't know this technology or that technology. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my, it's so much more than that. Like that, those, like to me, that's the easy stuff. Like that can be learned, um, you know, but there's so many other skills and so many other, you know, traits that we're looking for as L&D leaders and hiring managers. I look love to hear your thoughts. I'm super interested in kind of what you look for when hiring someone new to your team. Yeah. And if we're hiring an entry level, so somebody who wants to just get started in a training or facilitator type role is the most common for us. So they're new to the field. To get them to an interview, I'm looking for, first off, on their resume or application or whatever we have, I want to hear that they've done some type of training in some way. I don't care if it was at McDonald's or if it was facilitating discussions in your church group or if it was, I want to know uh, that you've done that. And if you've done even just a little glimpse of that, then I'm happy to talk to you more about it. So all I'm looking for is just a little bit of interest. Um, I talked about specific examples, specifically when it comes to telling me that you recognized a problem, you took the initiative to move forward. The other thing that I would say about learning and development specifically that would be really impressive to me in any interview is if you, even if you aren't in a learning and development role, you've taken strides outside of work to learn more about the field. 
So I don't want you to wait to learn about it if you think you're interested in it until you get the job. I want to know that before the job, this is something you've been interested in for a while. So you've said, hey, I've listened to these podcasts. I've talked to these people. I've read some posts or just last week I was looking at whatever it was. I don't need you to have a real depth of knowledge about the field, but I want to know that you're interested in it enough to spend some of your personal time outside of work investigating what it is or even having coffee with somebody that already does it and can tell you a little bit more about what it's like. If somebody did that in an interview, I would be really impressed because all too often I think we wait until the opportunity comes to prepare instead of the other way around. So we wanna prepare before the opportunity comes. That is actually not a quote of mine. I think it's John Wooden, the basketball <laughs> coach that said that, but prepare before your opportunity comes. And so that would be really impressive to me. And oftentimes when I go back, because everyone who applies internally, I feel like if I ask them to give me their time for an interview, I'm gonna give them constructive, constructive feedback back on their interview process. And oftentimes my feedback is, hey, you told me you were really passionate about learning and development in, the, in our interview. You can't wait to start this career. Well, are you sure? Because it doesn't seem like you've done anything to learn anything about the field until this very moment when this job opening came up for you. So that to me, I have given that type of feedback before, not in those so much words, but more <laughs> of here's some places you could start learning more so that when the next opportunity comes up, you're ready to talk about it. Like, you know, a little bit about the industry and you're more than just passionate. You're somewhat informed as well. I love that. I think it's great too. I, my last podcast episode, um, well, it'll probably be one or two after this or before this, but uh, it's all about self-development. And I asked the question well, to myself because it was a solo episode, but you know, is there such a thing as too much self-development? And I, I believe the answer is, is yes to that. But what I, I love that you're saying here is, you know, you don't have to dive into it and be this expert and have 500,000 no. different certificates and all no. of that, right? Like, you know, I see that a lot of time people spinning their wheels, but to just have like, you don't need to have all the knowledge. Like We'll never have all the knowledge. Like you'll be on a never ending quest, you know, if you're looking for all the knowledge, but to your point of like, Hey, I, it's not even how much do I know? It's that it's showing that I'm interested in this and that, you know, I'm willing to develop myself. Right. I think, especially as a, as a hiring manager and an L and D to like those things to put together to your point earlier of, of what made has made you successful is a lot of that self-development that you did. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a huge part of that hard work and that kind of that hustle that we're looking for, which is someone who's willing to spend, even if it's 10 minutes a day, like saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm following hashtag learning and development, or I listen to this podcast and something that's, we can, we think might be so small, but from a hiring manager perspective, we look at it and say, wow, they're taking 10 minutes out of their day to listen to this or to read this, or, you know, that it just, it shows mm -hmm. that willingness that we're looking for, you know, to, to grow. So I really just, I love that because we oftentimes people who are learned, wanting to get into L and D feel so sucked into like needing to know so much. And it's mm -hmm. not, not the amount that, you know, it's just mm -hmm. showing hiring managers that you're willing to work on developing yourself as well. So I think that's, and that you're interested awesome advice. Yeah. yeah you're interested. I will tell you that that last facilitator role that you and I were discussing that we hired, um, the person that we hired, she was a great candidate, but one of the things that she had done to set herself apart happened even before the interview even before, actually, even before the job posting, she reached out to us and said, could I shadow a trainer for an hour to learn what they're doing in their job? Done. And we said, Hired. sure, we always do that. <laughs> so the job hadn't even been posted. We didn't have any openings yet that we know of because we hadn't had anybody leave. She showed up, she, it, she shadowed for an hour. She asked that trainer really good questions and that was it. And for all she knew, that was it. And then a month later, we had an opening and she applied. And right away, she's, she's at the top of the stack because she took an effort, even before there was an opening, to learn more about the role and to ask really good questions. That's exactly how I got started. I took a class afterwards. Yeah. I went, I was, I was so nervous. I went up to the head of learning and development and said, 
how I'd like to do this. And they said, Oh, do you know this system? Could you train people on how to use a system? Um, and I said, yeah, I've been using it for years. And so I just, I shadowed someone who did systems training. I started doing it. Um, I was still working my full-time sales role within the organization as a sales manager. Yep. And then as soon as a corporate trainer position opened up, there's a couple of bumps in the road to that, but eventually they came to me and said, why haven't you applied? You know, like, mm-hmm. hello, you know, mm-hmm. like you've been doing this. And so I, I go into that in my first episode, but you know, it's, it's, they automatically thought of me because I had raised my hand even before there was even a a job. But yeah, I I never would have known that that would have been an opportunity for me. I never, I would not be where I am right now if I never would have mustered up that courage to say, Hey, how can I learn more? I want to, I want to do this. So I think it's, it's knowing too. And I've heard other stories like that, but hearing more and more stories of people just being able to, especially internally speak up, and say, hey, I just like to learn more about it. Like from a hearing it now from a hiring manager perspective of that really can set someone apart. Seriously. And it took her what, an hour out of her day? Yeah. She shadowed. Well, and maybe a little longer to contact the manager or yeah. contact us and say, hey, could I shadow? Yeah. Sure you can. Maybe hour and a half, two hours yep. total. Exactly. And like got a new career because of it. So again, it's- we what do we say? We said it earlier. Every day is an interview you already, even in your story, you were already interviewing for the role and you didn't know it by raising your hand and saying, Hey, I'm interested. Can I just learn more? Whoa, really? I think you find that I have found that learning and development folks across the country are very open to helping people learn. Yes. (laughs) They better be. That that sounded a little silly as I said. No, but well, I mean, you'd be surprised in all honesty, yeah. but for the most part, like, you know, that's what I feel like you to do this job, to do it well, and, and to really excel at it, you really have to have a servant's heart. You know, you have to want to help other people and help other, I, I got that from my mom, so I can't take credit for that, but, um, but you know, you have to really want to help people and that's who, who, who we are and who we really should be. And we're, we're, we're people helping people, helping people essentially is, is what it is. So kind of like on that, that note, and I said, it's my, 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 a two-part finale question for you is when you think about, you know, people transitioning into L and D for the first time. So my two-part question is, What's your biggest piece of advice for someone who's looking to transition into L&D for the first time? Okay. And then what's your p- biggest piece of advice for a brand new L&D leader? Sure. If you're looking to transition to L&D in the first, for the first time, your servant heart comment from your mom, your mom's right on there. I, Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be willing to put your ego aside and be willing to make it about them and not about you. So I think there's two types of people that want to go into L&D. There's the people that want to stand on the stage and tell everyone else how much they know. They're the experts in the room. And the reason they want to be in learning and development is to tell people things that, yes, to help them get better. But really, it's through the telling. And then there's people that want to facilitate the learning in others. Those are the people I'm looking for on my team. So yes, I want them to be driven. Yes, I want them to be hardworking. But I also want them to make it about facilitating learning in others because that's a long-term career path. Standing on a stage to tell people things won't get you very far because you won't be the expert for long. But if you can help others to gain their expertise, then you're going to make it a lot further. So that is one thing that if I had to give just one piece of advice, it's be ready to figure out how do you help other people get there? And you can practice that in your daily life, even in conversations you're having with others. See if you can ask them questions as opposed to give the answers and see what that's like. I think that's such such fantastic advice. And I think too, even how I, when I, when I pivoted and started to do career coaching in L and D I was doing it before I even realized I was doing it because I was doing it of service, right? I was seeing people and I was answering questions and answering questions. And then eventually it hit me. I'm like, Oh, well, I can help people on like, this could be my job to do this. But, you know, so I think it's, I think it, it goes that way in, in any career in all honesty, you know, when you really show up from a, a place of having a servant's heart and what can I help people learn and how can I help others grow? You automatically grow because of that. You know, it, it, it is a huge chain reaction that happens. And, 
you know, I always remember, you know, uh, having leaders tell me, you know, develop the people who are going to take your, take your job one day and you're going to, you're going to grow from that as well. And so I just, I think that's such an incredible advice and man, your team is so lucky to have you as a leader, Jess. And I know, I know your team and I have, I have spent time with them. And so I know that they are just so appreciative of you and think the world of you. And you, you know, you are such an incredible leader and I'm so happy that we're friends and that we're, you know, in each other's orbit now because more people need to know and to learn from you and to be a really great, not only leader, but a really great human like you. So I appreciate you so much. And I know people are going to want to find you after listening to this, where can people connect with you to learn more about you? Yeah. Best place for me is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, but here's a tip. And, and for everyone who uses LinkedIn, if you go in to connect with me, you should be able to find me just through my name, Jess Omley, um, because I believe I have a public profile, but, uh, and follow me, add a note, add a note and tell me, hey, I'm connecting because I heard you on the Overnight Trainer podcast, because that does a couple things for me. And I always try to use a note when I connect with people on LinkedIn too. It goes in my history, first of all, as a message. So now I can look back if I ever get you pop up on my feed again and I can think, gosh, how do I know them? I can search the messages and I see, oh, they listen to the podcast. That's right. That's how we connected. And then I have a better way frame of mind for connecting with you in the future. So I would say just be sure to add a note. Always love adding a note um, and let me know you heard me here. And then I'm happy to connect with you there and have additional conversation, uh, career advice, chatting about L&D geeking out on anything related to L&D, happy to do that. Awesome. I know we, you and I talked like we literally could talk for hours. Like this could be like a million hour for long sure. podcast. So I appreciate you so much for hopping on the show today. I know you, the amount of sound bites that we had and knowledge that you dropped for all for us will just completely blow everyone's mind. I can't <laughs> wait for them to listen to this episode. Um, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much for taking time to come out and spend time with us today. And I know this will not be the last time you are on the show. Oh my. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.